we are looking for a certain expression of a protein called as PDL1 on the top of the cancer cells. Okay. Uh, the higher the expression of the PDL1, the better the chance that the immunotherapy would work. Welcome to the Longevity Decoded podcast, a thought-provoking journey into science and medicine with discussions on how to optimize your health by learning the cutting-edge tools to apply in your daily life, preventing illness and maximizing your health span. I'm your host, Dr. Guerrero. Let's get to what people want to know. Um, what's a tumor? People hear about the tumor right. and what's cancer. Is there a difference? And some people want to just know what's cancer. The origination of it comes from the crab, you know, basically how we say is that it is, it's trying to create a hole and trying to dig into it d deeper into in, in, in the soil. Okay. It's the same thing with, with the, the, the tumor too, you know, it's a normal body cell um, which has uh, created some form of immortality here. It has, it is supposed to have a, a limited period of uh, time, but it keeps on uh, proliferating, it's, got, it's growing exponentially and it is, it is trying to create immortality here. So is it a clone? The cells are copy-paste? It's, it's, it's a clone. It's basically okay. one particular kind of cells trying to multiplicate in high numbers. And and and, uh, and uh, there is uh, the, the process of where there is a cell death mm -hmm. is being arrested there. So, so okay. and that, that is because of many things that probably we'll be discussing about uh, what is creating these things is these okay. multifactorial things. Yeah. Um, it has also been said that, you know, they found uh, evidence of cancer way back in the Egyptian mummies too. So, oh. so this is a disease that has been uh, from the end of time. It's not something new. It's okay. just that uh, as humans are living longer and then now we're seeing more and more uh, cancer in the, in the community out here. Oh, okay. Yeah. And in terms of like you're alluding, in terms of the etiologies, is it, how much of it is genetic, environment? Do we know the proportions of that or, or what else? So, so uh, the, the, the genetic component, uh, what we call um, is, uh, you know, when, when, when we talk about the genetic component, we're talking about mutations happening inside the cancer cell. Um, there's something called germline mutation and there's something called a somatic mutation. Okay. Germline mutations are something that happen through birth, means you've okay. acquired it through your, your parents. Okay. So, so this gene is in with you since you're born. Okay. When does the gene get expressed and when it starts to show up as cancer is the unknown. So it's the genotype and it's the phenotype, the word we call as phenotype. Phenotype is the expression of the gene. Okay. And that can happen through the course of life. Okay. A somatic mutation is a mutation that happens uh, due to external factors, you know, environmental factors, viruses, like diet. chemicals, diet. Okay you know, our lifestyle, stress, uh, there's many things contributing to it. So, so uh, as you said, in terms of percentages, 15% of the cancers are really genetically means that's hereditary. Okay. 85% of the cancers are environmental viruses, okay. chemicals and things. So like definitely uh, our interaction with the environment, lifestyle, lifestyle, are you sleeping well, are you eating well, all those are very important because it takes 85%. Very important. Very important. Oh, okay. I think uh, uh, the great majority of the cancers are there. Um, uh, so, so, so the genetic component is is something that we can predict. Gotcha. By doing tests, but the environmental ones really we do not know how they go. And it's a big chunk, eighty-five percent. It's a big chunk. Okay, and the the main killers, at least um, 
at least in the United States that I know, um, is um, lung cancer, uh, number one, then colon cancer, and then breast cancer for females, and prostate cancer. These are the big four. Yes, yes. These are the big four. And uh, in terms of the lung cancer, um, what are the, I know it's complex, you know, is it non-small cell lung cancer versus small cell lung cancer, limited stage, extended stage, stage four for the non-small. Um, uh, what are the basic treatments, you know, when people get a diagnosis of cancer, what are the things they, they have to know about? Like, for example, there's a surgery, chemo, what options are there for that? So before we dive into yeah, that, sure. Jorge, uh, a little bit because uh, lung cancer, I know that there's, there's, there are only few cancers that right now have screening tools. Okay. Uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit about screening, you know, yeah. mammograms. It's, it's very important about doing mammograms after the age of 40. Okay. Uh, there are certain conditions where if there is a significant family history or there's been prior exposure to some radiation and things like that, okay. then the mammograms should be started at an earlier, earlier age. Okay. Uh, but for the general population, uh, women at the age of 40 should start doing mammograms annually. Okay. So that's one for mammograms. Then you have uh, uh, you have colonoscopies. Mm -hmm. So colonoscopy, age 45 is the recommendation for the general so population. So it went down. It used to be 50. It used to be 50. Right now, the recommendation is 45. You're seeing a lot of colon cancer very early. Um, not everything is genetic. It's also the environmental factors contributing to it. It's the dietary patterns and things like that, okay. which have led to an increased incidence of colon cancer in the younger adults. So 45 is a recommendation. Unless there's some significant family history, there's some okay. genetic component to it, we start off early. Okay. Uh, in uh, women, again, we have our pap smears, which are saving lives in terms of cervical cancer. Okay. That's the uh, screening for uh, cervical cancer. Uh, for men, uh, prostate cancer, there has been some um, some some, some uh, uh, discrepancy in how uh, we 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 uh, go with the screening of prostate cancer, digital rectal examinations, and PSAs. Okay. PSAs have been questioned by the U.S. Preventive Tax Force. Right. But in my practice and in the community, I highly recommend it's a blood test. It's simple. It is simple blood test. You are routinely doing your blood work. Please get a PSA done. Okay. Uh, I know it's a false positive, but it's right. it's, it's you'll be. You'll but you can be, trend you it. You could trend it down. Yeah. You could you could get the urology experience and things like that. Now in lung cancer, mm -hmm. we do have early lung cancer screening. Yeah. So, so the lung cancer guidelines are that if you are a smoker for more than fifteen years okay. and you are above the age of fifty three you should be getting a low dose CT scan on an annual basis. Oh, okay, non-contrast, high resolution. Right okay. it's, a, it's a low contrast CT scan. Just a simple CT. Yeah, the okay. randomized trials showed that it was much superior than a regular chest X-ray and it, and it was shown to saving lives. Okay. So definitely. I would definitely want your audience to ask yeah. for a CT scan by their primary care physicians. Yeah. It's lower radiation. Low radiation. Yeah. Low radiation. So, so definitely it is. So it's it is, 15 pack here. 15. Okay. 15 so and age basically, 53. So people know it's like you smoke a pack a day for 15 years or you smoke two packs a day for 7.5 years. Yes, yes. Basically. Yes. And you should be around the age of 53 is what they took the, the, the guidelines as. So, oh, okay. So if you're above 50, I would say, and then 15 pack years of smoking, yeah. please get an, a low dose CT scan. And usually they're scanning yearly until age 80 roughly and then, then you can stop yeah. then you could stop you have to be like without smoking for 15 years yes. roughly yes 
Okay, so there's an option for early detection for lung cancer. Lung cancer. And it could be cured if you catch a small that's the big thing. One. It's, that's the big thing. So that's the big thing about uh, lung cancer. We, uh, if you are able to catch it early, it is curative. Oh, yeah. It is curative. That, that's awesome because that's the number one killer. And you could actually cure it. And most people think you cannot cure cancer. But that's an example where you can completely resect it and be cured change the course of somebody's disease here okay. could change it so so that's important unfortunately uh, not everybody is being diagnosed at an early stage yeah. now we are seeing cancers being diagnosed in stage three stage four uh, some are still being uh, able to go for surgery depending on uh, where the cancer has spread to uh, which kind of lymph node involvement is there you know is the surgeon being able to take the whole cancer out uh, in certain stage threes, we are doing chemo radiation. Okay. And we are also using the the role of immunotherapy. Hopefully, we'll okay. be talking yes. more about immunotherapy. Yeah, yeah. As also a treatment modality in stage three cancers. Oh, okay, so you can do this like that's the neoadjuvant chemo radiation that before you get surgery or is what? So that's a small subset. Okay. Where you do the neoadjuvant, where okay. you means neoadjuvant typically means that we are doing some form of treatment to mm -hmm. downsize the tumor, mm -hmm. and downstage it, downstage okay. it, and uh, amicable for or surgery by the by, by the surgeon. Oh, okay. And also stating that by doing some treatment uh, ahead of time before surgery, we probably may be also uh, addressing some minute cancer cells if they are already uh, metastasized outside, not visible on scans. Okay. We may be addressing those uh, uh, cells too by giving chemotherapy ahead of time. So that's a small subset yet. It's it's uh, it's not yet panned out in a big way. Okay. Uh, uh, this typically is happening only in big tertiary centers, not 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 commonly seen in our community settings. Okay. I want to ask you about specifically the the breast cancer because this part's a bit confusing to a lot of people. Uh, the mammogram is skis at age forty. Um, how about this other modalities, an MRI or ultrasound? How to combine those things or what to do with that? So, uh, when you're doing a screening test, you're basically employing a technique that is going to be helping a, a large population. It has to be cost effective. Okay. It has to be cost effective. So, a mammogram with an ultrasound, uh, we are able to detect a large majority of cases here. Okay. So, almost 80 to 85% of cancers are picked up by a mammogram and, uh, and an ultrasound. But there may be about uh, 10 to 15 percent of uh, patients who may have dense breasts or the lesions may be very small okay. where there is a higher clinical suspicion for us. In those patients, we are asking them to do MRIs, which are more sensitive in catching things. Oh, so okay. it's the discretion of the physician, depending on a case to case basis, because mm -hmm. uh, MRI is more tedious. It's more expensive. It's uh, it's it's time consuming. We would like to use the MRI more on very appropriate patients who really need it. Oh, okay, so it'd be like a hyperdense breast tissue that you yes. cannot really see it with a mammogram or ultrasound. Yes, some dense breast tissue okay. can can really obscure lesions. Uh, so, so we definitely we definitely uh, need uh, um, a, a, a like MRI. MRI on that. Yeah. And um, for the colon, there, there's something else: a cologuard test. Is that replacing a colonoscopy or not really because you're not looking I mean, at it is, for that? It is an alternative. Okay. It is. It is still has some false positives. Uh, basically, you do not have cancer, but the test is telling you that you may have cancer. Oh, okay. So the Cologuard is looking for traces of DNA yes. from the tumor. Yes. And it could falsely interpret it like yes. there is. 
So, so there is the 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 stool test is basically the shedding of the DNA okay. in the stool. Um, this could uh, uh, pick up early polyps because a polyp could convert into cancer eventually. Right. So uh, that DNA being shed may be be uh, may be giving us an indication that this is cancer. Okay. Uh, I mean, it is an alternative, but I would still I still urge that if you are in good health and if right. there is uh, if there is no contraindication to right. undergoing anesthesia and doing a colonoscopy. Yeah. I would pre prefer patients uh, uh, looking for colonoscopy. Yeah, because actually most of the tumors, they start like a polyp. So you would see that physically with a colonoscope and you could resect that. Yes. And could, if you do the cologuard, like you're saying, it might come back negative. It just didn't detect enough DNA. Yes. And then you tell them, oh, you're good. And they're not good. Yeah. I mean, the the, the, the question of fa uh, falsely saying it's negative means we, it, that, that that uh, uh, that is not an issue here. More oh, with, okay. with cologuard, it's more about the falsely being saying as positive. Oh. Uh, but I would not still uh, recommend it as as a complete alternative to okay. to a colonoscopy, uh, because colonoscopy we are also addressing the prime issue there. The issue of if there is a polyp which takes about three to five years to convert to cancer mm -hmm. can be removed. Oh. So we are also doing, it's a diagnostic thing. We are yeah. able to diagnose it. And also we are doing a therapeutic intervention. We are also doing an intervention to take away the source, which can convert to cancer. Oh, okay. That, so you can actually intervene on it. Intervene on it. Okay, perfect. And then um, going back to the lung cancer, in terms of the, the treatments, the options, including everything, immunotherapy and those things, you have chemotherapy, radiation, surgery, and then we have something immunotherapy. What, what's immunotherapy for people to understand? So, so lung cancer has changed significantly. In the last uh, five years, five, 10 years, I mean, no two lung cancers are the same. Now, if you go to stage four lung cancers, uh, we, we need more information on the lung cancer. First is uh, the, the histology. Histology is the tissue. What kind of cancer is it? As you were getting uh, uh, to saying, saying what is small cell and what is non-small cell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it's the it's the kind of tissue that is basically uh, uh, driving the cancer there. Okay. So, so uh, predominantly, still eighty-five to ninety percent of the cancers are non-small cell lung cancers, and only five to ten percent are small cell lung cancers. Uh, in the non-small cell lung cancer, the, uh, the the field of non-small cell lung cancer has has grown exponentially. We uh, are looking for targets inside the cancer cells now. Mm -hmm. So there are some drivers, what we call as these are the specific mutations that are driving the progression of cancer. Okay. We have about seven targets that we know right off uh, that has treatment options in the form of a pill. Okay. So we have uh, specific non-chemotherapy, non-immunotherapy, pill form of treatments that have been approved in those specific cancers. Okay. Now, what's the percentage of that? It's still around 20 to 25% of the cancers only have it. Okay. And we are mostly seeing this in non-smokers. Uh, uh, non-smokers. And that's not immunotherapy. And that's not immunotherapy. Okay. And that's not immunotherapy. So this is, these are targeted drugs, you know, specific mutations called EGFR, ROS, ALK, MET, RET, NTRAC, HER2-NU. 
Okay. So these are all the things that we are actually looking for in the cancer immediately when the cancer is being diagnosed. So it's some mutation, like a receptor on those. It, on is, the wall? The, it is the gene mutations gene in, mutation. inside the cancer cell. Oh, okay. These are these somatic mutations that we talked about that have happened over the course of life. Oh, okay. So those mutations, and we are specifically targeting those mutations to arrest the cancer cells. Okay. And we believe that these mutations are the driver. When we call them as a driver, they are the main main reason behind the cancer cells. To and why it keeps them dividing? To divide. So you're tackling exactly so targeting. Specifically targeting those. Still the great majority, still 70-75% of the cancers are being treated with chemotherapy. Okay. But we are also adding immunotherapy to, to, to this thing. And what is immunotherapy? So a um, few years ago, probably, you know, if it came into your uh, into into your domain there was something on the time magazine that said the cure lies inside you oh i remember that yeah, yeah. the cure yeah. lies inside you was basically it's your immune system your own immune system has the ability to identify cancer i mean as we are as we are going by our lives there is always some form of cancer cells that are developing inside us so that's why for example somebody is very stressed out not sleeping, not eating well, the immune system goes down, and that could lead to a cancer flourishing. So, so, so there are all these theories that right, we, so, we yeah. still we still we still are not sure, okay, and okay. everybody is different here. So, so the the the, the general idea is that the um, the body, as it goes through so much of stress or you know environmental exposures, chemicals, and things like that, there is a cancer cell that is being created. Okay. But your body's immune system, specifically the T cells, you know, okay. when you, when you, when you, yeah. when you, B -cells T, and T cells, cells and T cells, the T cells are the ones that are really identifying these cancer cells okay. and they are, they are, they are eliminating them. Now, the theory is that people who develop cancer, they are basically uh, developing some form of a resistance that the immune cell is unable to recognize them as, as cancer cells. The way I, 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 I explain my patients is that, you know, uh, I bring them to this uh, Harry Potter kind of thing, you know, where okay. you wear an invisible cloak. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, and people are invisible because of the cloak. Yeah. So it's like the cancer cell has created an invisible cloak on itself. Mm -hmm. So these immunotherapies, what, what we are doing is we are unmasking the cloak. Okay. We are trying to take the cloak away. We are telling the immune cell, hey, that's cancer. Mm -hmm. Now go kill it. Okay. So it's a it's a form of teaching the immune system where to identify cancer. Okay. I mean, we have had some success on it. It's not like a slam dunk, mm -hmm. but this is a, a beginning. Does it happen like, for example, has somebody has an eGFR and you have a medication that can target that, the cancer regresses or shrinks quite a bit, and then after a year, two, three years, can they have a second mutation like ALK mutates? And then they need to be rebiopsied and see if they can find a second mutation and tackle it. Have you had patients that, that think, is, you know, in extreme situations? Because, extreme? Okay. Yeah, because an EGFR is still a driver mutation. When I mean a driver, means it's the main cause of the cancer. Okay. Uh, there are internal mutations that are happening inside the EGFR. Oh. Okay. P790M mutation is a specific mutation that is developing over the course of time. Okay. Uh, these mutations are developing. Uh, as the cancer continues to be there in the body. Okay. So now we are trying to identify specific uh, drugs to tackle those kinds of mutations.
Oh, so, so we, we, have we don't have those yet. We have drugs for there is. T790 mutation. T790, we, we, okay. we already have we have we have drugs for it, and uh, there are a lot more drugs which are being in the development. Understanding that as the disease progresses, we are going to identify what those mutations may happen, mm -hmm. and we address at that time. Oh, okay. During my time at Moffitt Cancer Center, I was doing a lot of uh, biopsies of the lungs of tumors, and um, I saw a lot of patients talking about that they received their CAR T therapy. Is that an immune related with T's that T cells? So yeah, so CAR T cells is uh, basically another form of immunotherapy. Okay. Uh, it has not yet panned out in the solid tumors. It is being investigated heavily. It's a lot of clinical trials are going on. Okay. But right now the uh, the uh, FDA approved uh, indications for CAR T cells are mm -hmm. in uh, lymphomas. Okay. In uh, some form of uh, leukemias mm -hmm. and in uh, myelomas. Okay. So these are the three fields. It's mostly in the in the liquid tumors that we have had the success with CAR T cells. Uh, what does CAR T means? It's uh, basically uh, you are uh, uh, well, you're going to take your blood, if you're going to take your T cells out. Okay. We're going to attach a certain antigen on the top of the uh, T cell. Okay. And we reintroduce it back to you, which can specifically go and attack the cancer cells. Oh, so they will so we're, creating, we're creating we're creating an environment outside the body, mm -hmm. teaching the t we are basically priming the T cell with a with a with a certain uh, um, uh, certain uh, antigen. Means it's basically it, it knows where to go and where to go and uh, attack the sort of like cells. a GPS. Go so there. GPS and go and yeah, and that's been effective. It's been very effective in lymphomas. Um, um, Basically, uh, we are we are basically uh, p p uh, patients who have failed for frontline chemotherapies in diffuse large B cell lymphomas. Uh, this has led to uh, curative uh, curative options here. Now, how about like uh, treating lung cancer just straight with immunotherapy or an EGFR blocker and no chemo radiation? Is that a scenario that you can have something like that, or you have to give them a chemo? If their stage is high, so so there are some patients who okay. do not need chemotherapy. There okay. are some patients who do not need chemotherapy. We are looking for a certain expression of a protein called as PDL1 on the top of the cancer cells. Okay. Uh, the higher the expression of the PDL1, the better the chance that the immunotherapy would work. Okay. That'll so, be something like Keytruda. Yes, the Keytruda oh, okay. is the one. We have Keytruda. We have Optivo. We have okay. Tecentric. We have Darvalumumab. Those are PDL1 inhibitors. They're all PDL1 inhibitors. Okay. Some are PDL1 and some are PD1. There are there's a little difference, difference. to both, but the similar concept. Similar concept is similar. Uh, the higher the expression of the PDL1, that's 50% or more, or if you're going into the 90%, and your disease volume is very minimal, uh, then then only using immunotherapy is an option. Oh. Um, the 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 only immunotherapies that I would use in my in in, in my patients is that um, the, when the cancer volume is large, means I if I expect that the cancer would not kill my patients within the nine to 12 week period, mm -hmm. because these immunotherapies take a while to act. Oh, okay. They are, not, yeah. uh, they are not a direct way of killing cancer. There's an indirect way of killing cancer. We need time on it. Okay. And if I see that, uh, you know, if it is uh, within nine or 12 weeks, uh, if the patient may not make it, uh, I would use chemotherapy on that. That makes sense. So but I need an active. people, you know, some people are hesitant in terms of the chemotherapy. It's pretty strong medicine. Yes. 
and some people wonder, can I just do the immunotherapy? So there's some scenarios. There are some scenarios. I mean, it's all about when did we catch the cancer? You know, if if, if it came early, if it was only a little bit of pleural effusion, the disease mm -hmm. volume is low, and the PDL1 expression is high. Yeah, immunotherapy. Okay. But then you have large volume disease. You you see patients in the hospital. You're right. trying to do thoracentesis. Right. You're trying to see tumors compressing onto the into the airway, and you're yeah. having difficulty. We need to act with chemotherapy on those patients. Did we catch the cancer? You know, if 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 it came early, if it was only a little bit of pleural effusion, the disease mm -hmm. volume is low, and the PDL1 expression is high. Yeah, immunotherapy. Okay. But then you have large volume disease. You you see patients in the hospital. You're right. trying to do thoracentesis. Right. You're trying to see tumors compressing onto the into the airway, and you're yeah. having difficulty. We need to act with chemotherapy on those patients. Okay. That would give us the faster response. Okay. Some people are worried about radiation and the side effects of that. Um, is there more focal radiation you can get, like a cyber knife? Is there something else that could be like, for example, like a lung tumor? Instead of radiating the whole field, is there new technology that can just do a more straight, like a positron or something, straight beam? So, so or in other parts of the body. So, so in the field of radiation, though I'm not a radiation oncologist, oh. uh, 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 the, the the field of radiation has uh, has a role in early stage lung cancers. Okay. Uh, if we see a very early stage one cancer, but unfortunately, if they have very poor lung functions or they are not able to go for surgery for reasons uh, related to heart-related issues and things like that where the anesthetist would not clear them mm -hmm. or if they have bad emphysema and, you know, the lung capacity is not adequate, then there is a role for this uh, very specific radiation, what we call a stereotactic radiation or okay. uh, it's only a two or three day treatment where you go and you basically you're burning the area around the area where the cancer is. They're very focal. Very focal. So very side focal. effects are minimal. Very minimal. Um, the the equipment that we have right now there's newer uh, you know there are these new linear accelerators true beams all these new med yeah. machines that are available yeah. are trying to minimize the side effects the mm -hmm. the the collateral damage what we would call yeah we're trying to minimize it uh, but still there are still side effects to it um, of course and there are these uh, newer machines that have come up but the cost is really high you know you've we've got these new machines called proton therapies okay. um, the, the problem with Proton is that they have not really shown to be uh, better than the, uh, the, 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 the regular, tactic, regular one, the regular ones yeah. that we're using. Um, uh, but the only thing that has been definitely proven is that the side effect profile is much, much less when we mm -hmm. use Proton therapy. But uh, to have a Proton machine is close to $150 million. Uh, oh, wow. Yes. That's... Whereas uh, the other ones would be probably around 2 to $3 million. So it's a gigantic. So it's a huge, gigantic cost involved in it, and uh, not everybody is able to afford it. It's only right. the big hospitals are having it, uh, and will it really help a, a large population? That's the unknown. Oh, okay, That's that makes sense. Unknown. Definitely, these machines have improved. Um, when I was doing fellowship at Georgetown, they would ask me to go with a bronchoscope, and typically use electromagnetic navigation and travel uh, to the tumor to put these little gold markers, they're, they're called fiducial markers. And I, they usually wanted three, so that the cyber knife radiation, stereotactic radiation cyber knife, will be able to target the gold markers and be more accurate. But then when I was up Harvard, I said, okay, do you want me to put, like a, we had a case, do you want me to put some fiducial markers so you can do the stereotactic radiation? And they were like, we don't need that. And I'm like, what? No, we can use the linear. Linear accelerator. So they're not needing the fiducial. Things are evolving and they're, 
they're improving quite a bit. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about this, uh, that people might hear about this liquid biopsy. They take blood and what's that? So, so liquid biopsy is basically right now, um, as we talked about in our lung cancer, you know, we're looking for those specific uh, mutations. And uh, traditionally, what we have done is that we are trying, we were trying to get those mutations based on the tumor specimen that was available. Mm -hmm. So technology evolved, stating that when these tumors shed DNA into the blood, we're going to capture the DNA and see if we can find these mutations. And we have been able to find it. Okay. Also, uh, we now do, uh, we, we definitely test the tissue and we also do the uh, the blood because we think that there is something called as tumor heterogeneity. Heterogeneity okay. means differences in the tumor itself. At one place, you could see some mutations at other places oh. you may not be able to. So to be very uh, sure uh, that we're not missing some, some treatments, mm -hmm. we are definitely checking the liquid or the, the, the blood also okay. to make sure that, you know, we're not, we're not, uh, we're not missing any targets that are, that are available for treatment. That's interesting. Yes. I forgot to ask you about something about the BRCA genes for breast. Uh, who should get tested for the BRCA and what would you say you need a prophylactic bilateral mastectomy? Okay, so that's, uh, that's again, it, it shifts our thing into the germline, which means okay. that's something that you are born with. Okay. So, so BRCA genes are the genes that you are basically checking on, on patients who you suspect that there is a family history of cancer. Okay. Um, the guidelines are that uh, you should have at least three family members with either breast, ovarian, pancreatic, uh, prostate cancers, and uh, at least one of them should have been under the age of 50. So these mutations, uh, they uh, contribute to cancer at a very early age. So th th these are the patients that we are suspecting and we are doing the genetic testing. Um, the Ashkenazi Jewish population, there is a, a, a very high incidence of BRCA mutation in oh, there. Right, yeah. So just being an Ashkenazi Jew, you qualify for doing the testing. So you could be a 23-year-old girl and check it out. You could check it out. And okay. uh, now that uh, these tests are so easily available, the cost is very minimal. It's direct to consumer. Like you may have seen most of your, your viewers might be yeah. doing 23andMe. Yeah. They could do... Now the germline testing, it's available. It's at, I know the out of pocket is $200. Oh, wow. I, I did it for myself, man. I, it's really I, good. I, I, I had to do it because I just wanted to know if there is anything that yeah. is there. We could intervene. Right. The idea is that there are guidelines to tell us when do we start screening, what to do about it. And right now we have a panel of 84 genes that we check for. It's not only the BRCA mm -hmm. that we know about. Now there are about 84 genes that are available for us to tell us what is your risk of cancers. And where can people get that test? They can easily get it available at the primary care. They okay. can get referred to an oncologist. Every oncologist's office has the ability to perform this test. Okay. It's a simple blood draw. Uh, it takes about 10 to 12 days to get your, uh, your results. It's available online. You have genetic counselors who are going to go through each and everything in the event of uh, something being positive. Mm -hmm. What are what are what has to be done in the event of a positive gene? Okay, you're given specific uh, instructions on with your the, results. With you the, the results, results and it has the, the results with the guidelines. Everything very clearly formatted for uh, for the patients to to do uh, over the course of life. Okay, but can somebody just go online without a doctor and try to find the test and buy it? 
Uh, you probably would need, as of right now, I think you still have to use a physician okay. uh, to, to do it. Uh, I think the question is also the interpretation of the I results. I think that's the main thing. The main thing is interpretation. Yeah. Uh, what, what to expect out of it. Because there are some genes which may be of no significance and it may confuse patients. Yeah, just mental stress. For nothing. So you 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 better off talking to your your primary care. And they just ask, I want the gen eighty four genetic test or what, how do you call? So it? as I said, you know, if you uh, it, that also varies again. If okay. somebody already is known to have a BRCA gene in their family, then we would specifically ask for BRCA. If somebody okay. has something called as a Lynch syndrome in the family, yeah. we would specifically ask for Lynch. Uh, if there is something called as you know ATM mutations and things like that, but if it is. Uh, uh, unknown, then we would do a whole panel. So it's just say, I want the whole panel. We would do the for the genetic panel. screening for cancer and the primary I mean, care, or, or they can send it to you or an oncologist, definitely. and they can they can order it. Yeah, I mean the cost is is so so in the, in the beginning it used to be very expensive. Now it's the, 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 these companies are able to do it because of the technology. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The technology has become so easily available that they they they, they give it at a cost of two hundred dollars. Oh, okay, really good. Yeah, we're talking the other day about fasting. Um, a lot of the tumor cells, they're very dependent on the glucose, as I understand. Um, so in theory, and it's maybe not all of the cancers, but in theory, tumor cells really struggle to continue to divide and grow in a very low glucose environment. Do you know anything about any trials or treatment protocols where they incorporate fasting? Or have you had a patient that fasted for 30 days, 60 days, and the tumor shrank? Have you seen a role in the fasting or being on a ketogenic diet for cancer? So there are no randomized trials okay. uh, to, 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 to predict it. Uh, in theory, that, that definitely sounds good. Um, but there is a, there's too much complexity inside a cancer cell organ. Uh, okay. I mean, it's not, that's not, there's not one particular thing that is driving the cancer there. Um, eating right, sleeping right, exercise, doing all of these are, are, are advocated. Okay. These would prevent a cancer from happening. But once the cancer has developed, I do not know if these things are really going to change it. It may be complementary to the treatments that we do, okay. but uh, I would not say that these alone would be enough to uh, to suppress your cancer. Okay. I, I do not have enough information. On yeah, there's, there's no randomized perspective. There's no trials, trials to say that. Yeah. Yes, I mean, there may be a, a, a one-off case uh, where Things might have worked out. Um, my yeah. my common thing is that if uh, I tell my patients that, oh, if they give me a case and I said, okay, you take hundred of them, you take them to the Niagara Falls, mm -hmm. let hundred of them jump. There's a possibility that one might be alive. Right. So we, we you cannot go by that one person. You yeah. got to go by the ninety nine. Okay, correct. So, so so it's more like an anecdote. Anecdote. So you just cannot just cannot go by that one particular case where. They probably was something about it. Mm -hmm. uh, the ketogenic diet might have worked out on them, them and, 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 and they're very happy for that person. But yeah. I cannot advocate the same thing right. for the rest of the population because there's too many things going on inside the cancer. Oh, okay. So, because so, I'm, I'm worried a little bit about that because I've heard stories of people having diagnosed cancer and they say, oh, I don't want to get that chemo. I'm going to go ketogenic for six months. And you hear stories, they come back and the, st the tumor was stage two and they come back at a stage four. Have you seen people trying natural things and it, they come back and it's worse? I've seen that, you know, we, we, we hear a lot of stories, you know, there's, there's a mistrust. There is a mistrust. Uh, there is a, there's a lot of mistrust stating that, you know, pharmaceutical companies are trying to prevent uh, uh, the cure for cancer for their yeah, personal aids and things paranoid. like that. 
I mean, conspiracy. I, I would, I, I, it's, 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 it, that's not, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, there's some corruption sense. in everything. There's corruption. There could be corruption within a pharmaceutical. Yes. Um, there could be a corrupt doctor working in the pharmaceutical. But, uh, you know, the natural course of cancer, we know it. We know it responds to chemotherapy, responds to radiation, immunotherapy. So people should be very cautious. They'd be very cautious with what kind of information. It's all about the information being given to them, uh, how you process that information that is ex extremely important. Uh, I do a lot of clinical trials. And, uh, I mean, uh, to be honest, we, we do so many clinical trials and... Uh, uh, I would say, like, uh, if you do 100 clinical trials, one drug gets to see the day of light. Okay. There's so many drugs that never see the day of light. And that company, that pharmaceutical, wasted millions of millions dollars. Of dollars. Millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. We've seen that happen. So it's not like every time they come up with a drug, it's guaranteed because there's not. corruption. It is not. It you is see, not. Okay. I mean, there is more drugs that 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 are discarded that they are closed down during the trial saying that you know the side effect profile is not favorable we don't see a benefit even if everything goes fine if you say that the drug did not show any any improvement in survival mm -hmm. those drugs would never get to uh, see the day of light oh okay and are you currently doing any you said you're doing some research trials you're involved with them i oh, just yeah. want to yeah, talk yeah. about that so 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 we do clinical trials at our at our facility uh, okay. clinical trials uh, are of different kinds uh, you know well, uh, everybody has to look for what trial is more appropriate for them mm -hmm. uh, there's something called as phase 1 phase 2 phase 3 trials phase 1 uh, is basically uh, is basically you 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 being given a drug which is being uh, looked upon as whether it's causing any side effects or not okay that's all that is being side effects for the side, side effects in phase one okay in phase two you're basically looking at you know a small population of patients uh, trying to see whether the tumors are responding to treatment or not okay uh, that's typically a phase two in phase three is basically what you're doing you're taking a larger population of patients and then you're randomizing into two groups uh, you're giving uh, one set of uh, uh, patients the current standard of treatment, whatever is the standard of treatment right now. Okay. And then the other set, you're giving the, the, the trial drug. And then you're going to compare and see, did the trial drug do better than the current regimen? And then only would the drug ever see the day of life. So it's very strict. So there's a process to it. So and it's monitored by the FDA. There's some agency regulating there this. There are some serious regulations and then people running uh, uh, clinical trials, uh, we have to document every small uh, side effect, every lab, everything is to be written. Uh, FDA can come uh, un uninvited, they can audit you. They show up to your office. This can, this can have some serious implications on, on, the pay, on the physician if it is not done in the proper way. Mm -hmm. The reputation of the, pay, of the physician, their licenses, everything is at stake here. So clinical trials are done at, at a very high uh, standards, very high standards. Okay. Uh, we, we, in our facility, we have three research coordinators who specifically look for it. We have our uh, uh, bigger partner, the U.S. Oncology Network, who mm -hmm. monitors it. They have their own uh, auditing even uh, to make sure like that... Separate, separate, separate from the Yeah, they are auditing our, 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 uh, our information. And um, and if the FDA asks for any 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 paperwork, we should be producing to them immediately. So okay. so the paperwork, the paper trails, everything is documented. Okay, so so people shouldn't be I would too I would, afraid yeah. of. Uh, if they have any questions, they should always come and talk to their doctor. Uh, understand what 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 the clinical trials are. 
uh, and and uh, you know there's uh, there is there's a lot of information out there for for oh, okay so, so th these drugs are very effective but if we look back at the last 50 years or so how much has the mortality improved overall cancer is a very tough one so we're not expecting huge numbers so the mortality my understanding it hasn't been incredibly better it has improved but a lot of people they get the treatment and they still die with the cancer yes i mean i have to agree on that earlier i mean okay. the, the thing about cancer is that as we talked about no two cancers are the same okay why are some cancers doing better than the others there's something inside the cancer that is that is responding well to treatment mm -hmm. our job as doctors right now is to identify who these patients are okay you know, trying to find targets, trying to say that, hey, if you have this particular protein, you have a better chance of response. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You are basically giving the patients more insight on um, that, that, that there is a, this is your percentage of your cancer going to respond. Okay. Um, and that also is so important for the patient because, you know, why to put them through all the side effects if you know yeah. that this is not going to okay so 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 this is the, the the these are the things that are in evolution right now and we understanding we are understanding it as every day goes by we are we are able to get more and more information yeah and we are able to present it to the patient uh, patients might be dejected but they we see a good target on it and we mm -hmm. try to pursue the patient saying that this particular target like yeah. an egfr yeah yeah you have a very good chance that this cancer is going to respond mm -hmm. please do not give up and we push them yeah, though it's not curative, but your right. patients living another four, five, six years. I think that's a big point, and I've had patients that they said I've been fighting cancer for thirty years, and then I was thinking, okay, they will die from the cancer, but they have received another thirty years of life, and hopefully good quality of life, or they're spending time with their loved ones. So I think we shouldn't should not just look at the mortality, but the, the health span they right. have. Right. which is increased by treatments for I mean, cancer. Uh, if you go by the statistics, you know, pr predominantly cancers are happening after the age of 65 to 70. Okay. Uh, the normal life life uh, expectancy in this country for males is 83 years, women is 85 years. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, if, if we are able to make cancer a chronic disease, if we find ways, like, you know, we, we know like that... Like hypertension, you, you're taking a pill forever. Your diabetes, you diabetes. have diabetes, you have yeah. hypertension, you're going to live it till till you die. You know, you're going to have hypertension all your life. If we could do that in all cancers, mm -hmm. you know, like in, in some estrogen-positive stage 4 breast cancers. Okay, yeah. You know, these patients are living 8, 10, 12 years right now after the stage 4 diagnosis. So oh, if wow. you are 70 and you get diagnosed with a stage four estrogen positive cancer and you take a pill every day and then we get you to 83 85 years that's excellent that's, amazing that's that's what we're trying to do here we're trying to make it a chronic disease okay so we're trying to make it a chronic disease so that's the idea behind it so i think the uh, the, the 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 eventual goal is that we may not be able to uh, prevent the initial event mm-hmm but if we can find ways how to prevent the spread of cancer, okay. if we find more targets on how we could prevent the cancer to spread to other areas and we contain it, I think we're going to give more life to our patients. Oh, absolutely. So it's definitely... That would be the, that would be the ultimate goal. I mean, to breathe is to get cancer. You, 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 mm -hmm. we, cannot, we cannot be quarantined and we cannot right. live. So it, it may happen. 
So in theory, we're developing cancers constantly, constantly. but the T cells from the immune system are tackling it, tackling killing it. them. You don't even know it happened. I might have had cancer a week ago. Yeah. It's gone. Coming to the point, I mean, I mean, you may be asking that question later on, but the, yeah. the, the DNA test that we talked about, mm -hmm. you know, the, the circulating DNA cells. So, yeah. so uh, you know, patients always saying that, how come the blood did not pick up my cancer before? You've okay. been doing all the blood tests and right. you've never picked up cancer. We do not have the technology. We do not have the technology. In the near future, it is expected that we are doing clinical trials in our office on that too. Okay. Uh, we are basically trying to find if we can do a blood test and we can say that there is a possibility that you may be having this particular cancer. Mm -hmm. Let's get you scanned. Let's get you a colonoscopy. Let's get you a mammogram. Let's do a pap smear. Let's intervene based on this blood test. Okay. And this may be the answer as we go forward where we may be able to capture cancer at a very, very early stage and hopefully will re relate to cure. Okay, so that will be detecting in the blood, for example, traces of DNA again. Yes. That would be amazing. That would be... Because cancer could be a few cells, in theory. A few cells. Or a tiny uh, little tumor. Yeah, the, the question lies is that, you know, uh, how do we, uh, over the all, all general population, how are we going to get that particular yeah. test? Does anybody any... gets a liquid biopsy? <laughs> yeah, is it? And then will there be a discrepancy in each and every gene there? How are we going to standardize the test? Okay. Those are the logistics that, that are currently being looked into. There's something called methylation techniques that they're looking into. Uh, hopefully, this will translate into into uh, some form of uh, approval by the FDA, where you go to your primary care, you mm -hmm. do your regular blood test every six months. Yeah, so you like do CBC, your CBC, BMP, CBC, and you get that liquid your biopsy. Thyroid test, you do yeah. your lipid profile, yeah. you do your liquid bio test also. Uh, just see at it and say, hey, everything looks good. Mm -hmm. Probably you don't need a colonoscopy this year or you don't need a CAT, CAT scan this year. I, I'm just saying that, you know. It could be like it, potentially it, look like potential, that. Potential, potential. I mean, unless we run trials and we really show that. I guess in theory, they could make it that is looking for DNA, but with some, some specificity. Like, for example, this looks like it's, um, uh, it could be something from the intestines or the GI tract versus a pulmonary tumor versus a brain tumor. Yes. And then, you know, okay, I'm going to do, let's say, a brain tumor. I'm yep. going to do a brain MRI. So probably they, they are looking for signatures mm -hmm. to say that this particular signature is coming from the colon or this is coming from the lung and this is a tumor cell. So let's do the next test for them. Let's get the scan. Let's do the colonoscopy. Let's do the endoscopy. This might lead ways to pursue testing more sooner than to, you know, delay things. You know, a simple blood test might give us that edge. Okay. Now, you know, the Kardashians have made very famous the whole body MRI. They're getting this whole body MRI. They're promoting the whole body MRI. I'm not attacking the Kardashians. <laughs> I'm just saying. So there's people doing, I guess you have to have money. Like, is there any data that doing a random whole body MRI could uh, prevent cancer? They have the Kardashians, they have the money. So, I mean, MRI, it's not feasible as a screening. As I said, screening should be something that is cost effective and it has to work in the general population. A whole body MRI would take you eight, eight seven to eight hours to do a whole body. Oh, MRI. so you're laying down for Five, seven, eight hours. Six, seven hours of, of dedicated imaging that you're doing. Mm -hmm. It's not going to pan out in the general population. We do not have enough MRI machines to screen our general population. Oh, okay. So I guess you have to care about everyone. Everybody. But somebody with a lot of money, they could do it. Maybe they find something, but they could also get like false positive. Called like they say they have a lipoma, which is like a fat tumor around the kidney, and it's benign. They've had it for thirty years, and they end up with a kidney resection, 
and complications and it was not necessary. necessary. I guess that could happen. It could happen, yes. We do all these tests and then we pick incidentalomas, you know, we're picking things which we, we did not expect. Then we probe into it, you know, sometimes it may go. There could be bleeding complications. A lot of things. So, so I think I think we, we follow the guidelines of screening and then stick to that. Oh, okay. Do you remember any case of uh, somebody that you detected genetically ahead of time and you're able to treat them because of the genetic result and prevent the cancer or, or tackle it really well that their lifespan increased dramatically just because of the genetic test that they brought or that you discovered? Uh, I personally... It's a lower percentage. It's a very lower percentage, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, uh, but we've been able to uh, identify after they get the diagnosis, they mm -hmm. come to us and then we've been able to uh, give them guidelines on what to do next. Okay. How to prevent the next cancer. Because some genes, uh, you may have a you may have a breast cancer, but at the same time, you are also susceptible to have an ovarian cancer oh, okay. with the gene. So, so we would recommend them to do. That's one of the BRCA's too. BRCA genes, yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so when you have a BRCA, you're basically telling them that you know you may want to even take your ovaries out mm -hmm. because that would put you at a risk for uh, ovarian cancer as you go in life. You know, there's about a forty to forty-five percent chance of your in your Pretty lifetime. High. Very high. Yep. Yep. And breast cancers. You know, we're basically telling if one breast is already affected, the chance of the other breast having cancer is about 80%. So you rather would want to do a mastectomy and mm -hmm. prevent yourself from getting another cancer there. So in those cases, you can prevent it 100%. Remove your ovaries. There's no ovarian cancer anymore. Ovarian cancer. You're taking your chance way higher. Yes. Okay. So in general, to summarize a little bit, definitely in order to prevent the cancer, a lot of it could be uh, lifestyle, eating well exercising, all those things, uh, decrease your stress levels will be a way to prevent uh, all those somatic type of uh, cancers. Yes. We are definitely, I mean, those are the, the general, uh, yeah, you know, eating right, good body mass index, okay. cutting down on processed foods, cutting down on carbonated beverages, um, trying to have adequate sleep, okay. decreasing the cortisol levels in the body, Okay, yeah. um, that's the stress hormone cortisol. Stress hormones. So, so, so. Is there any? Let me cut you. Sorry, any any supplements that they've studied? Uh, some like randomized trials or not? But like supplements that, have that really prevent the cancer. The, the only the only one that has really panned out is a low dose aspirin, which has oh, shown a thirty percent reduction in colon cancer. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that. One. That's the big that's the big trial that was done. A low dose aspirin, eighty one milligrams of aspirin, has shown uh, a thirty percent improve. I mean, chance of reducing chance of colon cancers. Do uh, they have a mechanism? Because I don't, I don't see it. Something about the cyclooxygenase. The cyclooxygenase. Okay. So it has something that 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 is contributing. Yeah, we don't need to get into that because it'll be confusing to people. But that is the one thing. I'm not aware of uh, other supplements that are really leading to uh, lesser uh, chance. But, uh, but uh, when we are treating our patients, I be, I, I, I've used supplements in terms of, you know, minimizing their inflammation and things like that. There are drugs which have side effects and we use okay. supplements to minimize those side effects. Oh, okay. So we more for the, the side effects. Like uh, an example would be anti-estrogen therapy for our breast cancer patients where there's a lot of uh, 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 pain in the joints, inflammation in the joints. Mm -hmm. So, so I, 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 I advise them to take turmeric. Oh, okay. Turmeric has a lot of anti-inflammatory properties, you know, so, and then, and then there's something, 
like when you have uh, neuropathy, when you have tingling and numbness with the chemotherapy and things like that, mm -hmm. in those situations, I've advised them to do acupunctures. Oh, okay. Yeah, they have shown to have benefit. Then we've used some glutamic acid, uh, which has helped in uh, neuropathy symptoms. So there are these non-FDA kind of uh, off-label uh, off things yeah. to, to help with, uh, with the side effect profile. Oh, okay. Definitely. So it sounds like, you know, cancer is very complex, multifactorial, um, and most of it is somatic from the exposure of the environment, and about 15% is genetic, which you could try to test ahead of time if you have family history or something that will trigger that. And, and cancer, although it's a difficult fight with a cancer, it is treatable. In some cases, if you detect it early, it could be curable. Yes. But we've been able to expand, uh, expand the lifespan of people significantly, give them some quality of life, um, able to spend time with family and friends. Um, and so it's definitely worthwhile not giving up when you get a diagnosis of cancer. Yes. They should go see an oncologist like you, do all the homework, if, if indicated genetic testing, and then tackling the cancer as early as possible. As possible. Right. So yes. if people want to find you, you'll be Cancer Care Centers of Brevard yes. in Palm Bay, is that right? In Palm Bay, okay. we, we are a group of uh, nine oncologists. We are six medical oncologists. We have three radiation oncologists. Okay. We practice in the, in the county of Brevard. We have offices uh, uh, all the way from Merritt Island down to Palm Bay. We oh, have, okay. so uh, multiple have, offices. We have multiple offices. We have multiple physicians. Um, we, we, we have uh, uh, nurse practitioners, physician assistants. We have research coordinators. Uh, we are a comprehensive cancer center where we provide uh, all the cancer services that are required. We do medical oncology, radiation oncology, imaging. Uh, we're doing genetics uh, and, uh, and uh, research, okay. which is the key component to uh, cancer treatments. Okay, excellent. So if um, the viewers want to see, if possible, want to visit you, hopefully they don't have cancer, but if they need your help uh, to visit uh, Dr. Pavan uh, Kancharla, they can go to www.cancercarebrevard.com. That's your website. Uh, again, www.cancercarebrevard.com. And the office number is 321-725-8300. Again, 321-725-8300. 8300 to see Dr. Kincharla, one of your colleagues, yes. if they need uh, any help. Um, I think this uh, conversation was very uh, invigorating, very exciting. I did learn a lot, although I'm a medical doctor with four board certifications, I still don't know enough about cancer. It's a very complex, that's why we need an oncologist. Uh, so thank you for everything. And you know, the audience is getting this uh, at zero cost. They're learning from this and they can take this information as an educational tool and take it to their doctors. And if they need any help, they get some guidance from this. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you for your knowledge, Pavan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. If you're learning and or enjoying the podcast, please subscribe to YouTube. You'll support the podcast tremendously. Another way to support the podcast completely free will be to not only subscribe to YouTube, but to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, and we're also on Apple Podcasts. Also, please try to leave us a five-star review, both on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, if you're enjoying and learning from this. Please subscribe to our newsletter. You can do that by going to uh, our website, which is www.jorgeguerreromd.com, and you will be able to subscribe there, put your email, and you'll start getting uh, a bi-weekly email 
where you're gonna get different protocols for longevity that I have, and you're gonna get uh, the overall picture of how I view health and how to maximize longevity. So I'll encourage you to do that as well. Finally, make sure you follow us on all social media platforms. There, you're gonna be on top of the latest news regarding longevity medications, longevity supplements, longevity protocols, anything new that I'm doing, everything that I found in terms of cutting edge for medicine, cancer, and general health. And you will know what are the incoming episodes for the podcast uh, and which guests will be coming to the podcast for you to stay on top of things. We are uh, on virtually all social media platforms. Is the same handle or name for all of them. That will be at Jorge Guerrero, M-D, or J-O-R-G-E-G-U-E-R-R-E-R-O-M-D. So very easy to find. We're on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook, um, as well as Twitter, now uh, called X. Lastly, I want to thank you for joining this thought-provoking journey into science and medicine, where you find discussions on how to optimize your health. I provide you with the cutting-edge tools to apply to your daily life that will prevent illness and will optimize your lifespan and, more importantly, your health span. Thanks for joining. We'll see you on the next episode.